Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations, metrics, and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm very excited today to introduce you guys to somebody that I've known for a while through a Facebook group called the Agency Stable that I've been in uh, for quite some time, but I didn't really know a whole lot about our next guest until we started talking. And then I figured out that he has one of the most impressive resumes of anyone that I've brought onto the show today. Uh, he started his first agency when he was 14 years old, was named in the top 20 under 20 by LA Biz Journal. Since 2013, he's been the CEO of Bull and Beard, which is an agency collective, and recently launched a new service called Agency Match, which helps connect brands with vetted and vouched for agencies. Um, and they basically just help you break down those barriers to finding the right match and working together. Um, he's been featured in Forbes, Fortune, Success, Entrepreneur, all those big publications, Fox News, HuffPost, you name it. Uh, truly an expert in the field. And uh, with all of that, I want to welcome you to the show, Mr. Robbie Berthum. Thank you. I appreciate it. Glad to be here, Marcel. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm, I'm humbled by it's just, you know, the personal branding uh, effort over the past few years, that's all. But um, glad to uh, you know, hopefully share some insights uh, for your audience and uh, you know, maybe help as far as it's uh, related to, to matchmaking and connecting brands and agencies and new business resources like directories and you know, stuff like that. So I think we're going to cover a lot of good ground. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited about this episode because I think what we're going to really try to extract from your brain, Robbie, is your insight around how to leverage these directories to really get a lot of new business. And I think this is something that for some agencies, they don't see the value in them. For others, I, I've worked with agencies that rely heavily on directories. And so I think there's a lot to be learned from your experience, you know, not only using them a lot, but now also building a director of your own on what works and what doesn't and the whole psychology. So really excited to get into that. Before we do any of that, I want to make sure that, um, you know, I've given people some context, but I'd love to ask, you know, what is it that you really do today? And who do you serve? And how do you serve them? Um, just so everyone has a little bit more context on who you are. Yeah, definitely. So we work with, you know, primarily small to mid-sized specialized agencies. We do work with some larger agencies, but uh, the bulk of our collective is made up of small to mid-sized shops. So every, every agency from, you know, the, the collectives and, uh, you know, kind of one, two-person shops all the way up to, you know, 50, 70, 80 people is uh, definitely our sweet spot. And then we work with mid-sized uh, Fortune 1000 brands on the, uh, the marketing side. And so we're basically connecting those two audiences together uh, you know, making matches, but also breaking down the barriers, breaking the ship, being involved in the, the sales process, you know, helping advise uh, both uh, both parties, the brand and the agency on, you know, the proposal, for example, and pieces like that along the way. So we, we originally started as, you know, this, this concept was basically we're a real estate agent. We know the, the schools and we know the neighborhoods and we're connected to the home inspector. and We reduce risk for the marketers and brands that are looking to partner up with, with agencies that are a, a good fit. And, uh, Risk is one of the biggest factors in that 
decision. And, uh, and that's really our primary job is to reduce that risk by having a collective of that is vouch for partners. So it's a really interesting space. And I've spoken to a few people that are, you know, doing agency collectives, of course, and, and the directory model, you're one of the first people I've seen kind of doing the two in unison, what I think is really interesting. But what I'm really curious about is what made you go from you spent a lot of time in the agency space running your own shops and working at a few other big shops? What made you want to transition into doing this into helping agencies, you know, with this problem? I wanted to be uh, in the world, but not of it. You know, I wanted to be <laughs> kind of in the in the agency space where you know, once you're in the, the agency world, there's a there's a different language. You know, there's a different culture that permeates every agency, really. Uh, even though there's going to be individual cultures, and, and I like the the advertising world. Uh, you know, I'm a marketer at heart, and I, I like being around creativity and ideas, and uh, you know, figuring out how to solve problems and reach people. And so I wanted to be in that world, but I, but I also didn't really want to have a huge staff and, uh, and run an agency because uh, I had done that before and, and, you know, proven that I could be success, successful at it. But I always, you know, the best, uh, the best kind of reason I could give is, you know, I remember back when I owned my digital agency, I would you know, sign a project and, uh, you know, from the time I was 14 on up, and my stomach would start hurting. I would be like, oh, now I have to actually deliver this, you know, this <laughs> website or digital marketing campaign or whatever it was. Not that I, you know, was running away from the work or couldn't handle it. But, um, you know, I think for me, the joy was always selling and the joy was always building the relationships and, uh, you know, creating those opportunities and figuring out how to reach people. And, you know, once I signed a contract, I was ready to move on to the next the next deal, not sit there and service the client for uh, for a period of time. So for me, you know, I think Bull and Beard uh, is different in that it's it's really a sales organization. I mean, all we do is is build relationships and uh, uh, sell essentially, and and that's really you know the the what is my passion and what I'm most excited about doing and getting up in the morning to do. So, so you've been doing that now for almost it's just over six years, right? You started that back in 2013. June of 2013. Yep. Cool. And what has been, you know, what are some of the big things that you've learned through the transition from going from, you know, running the agency to now just really focusing on doing these deals um, with these larger brands? What have you noticed um, and really started to understand about the way they think about finding an agency? Because I think this is an area that is a little bit nebulous for some of us, but it'd be really interesting to find out what's the psychology of a brand that's looking for an agency um, and how as an agency do we kind of position ourselves to best help them in that situation and, and kind of become the natural fit. Yeah. So I mean, there's a, there's a saying that we use, uh, we have kind of a Western you know, theme with our, our branding bull and beard. And, uh, you know, the, the saying is timing has a lot to do with the outcome of a rain dance. And I think that that has uh, a lot to do with, you know, how typical agency opportunities uh, come up is it's it's all about timing. And so there are agencies that are trying a lot of things from a new business perspective, but unless they're reaching the marketer at a time when they're, you know, in the decision making process or have a project in hand, and it's pretty hard to get their attention because I think marketers and brands are inundated with, you know, emails from agencies and, you know, gifts and all kinds of stuff from agencies on a daily basis. And so, you know, they're pretty sort of immune to, or they're less receptive to the, the message. Uh, but there are ways to break through. I think you've got to, you know, find those ways. And typically it's investing in a relationship where you might not see a payoff for two, three, four years, but uh, eventually a project comes around or the right opportunity comes around 
around in your position to uh, to take that project because there's trust and a real relationship built. And I think, you know, as it applies to the matchmaking and, uh, and our collective over the last six years, you know, that's something that's definitely been true for us is it, it definitely takes time to build the right relationships uh, at the right level of, of organization at the larger Fortune 1000s and, and, you know, cultivate those relationships until the timing is right and, uh, and there's an opportunity. So I think that a lot of agencies, you know, could benefit from, uh, you know, not only building relationships, but or not only starting relationships, but focusing on building them and, and how best to nurture them so that maybe not now, but in four years or five years, there's an opportunity waiting for them. I think a lot of agencies are very short term uh, in terms of their new business approach and they want results and ROI right away. And they're not uh, as willing to invest in relationships that could really pay off down the line, uh, relationships with agency search consultants and matchmakers like uh, like myself. That's uh, you know, there might not be a project the next week, the next month, but there might be a life changing project the next year. And if you're you know part of it, you're you're positioned for it. Then uh, you know it can, it can change your agency. But if you're not, if you don't take that kind of longer term vision, then you're not going to have those kinds of opportunities. So I think that's a really good point and it's an interesting one. Like the sales cycle, even if there is a project in hand, tends to be a little bit slower with these larger companies. But to your point, they've got, um, you know, they've got meeting cadences, planning cadences, budget approval cadences. And so it can take years for the budget for the project that the marketer has the idea for to even get approved. And so, yeah, I think patience is a big thing. But what I'd love to dig into a little bit more is in that moment where all of a sudden the brand is ready to make an investment in an agency, what has been surprising to you or what kind of insights have you really gleaned from making a lot of those matches and having a lot of those conversations? What's, what is it about that situation that I think a lot of agencies don't really get right or don't really understand that if they had just understood it, they could have a better conversation with that brand and increase their chances of closing the deal? Yeah, I think uh, for sure. So, I mean, from from our perspective, you know, it, it typically starts with uh, capabilities and category experience in terms of finding alignment. You know, those are the, the top two criteria to, to say, you know, okay, are we are we a potential fit for each other? Those those really have to be true. Sometimes you're like, no, we don't care about category experience, but most most brands are going to care about category experience. It's going to reduce risk, and they're going to care about capabilities, particularly if you're. So in other words, if you're a, a full service agency, you know, participating in a bid for a branding project, you're definitely going to be a leg down from a, a branding agency where their exclusive focus is branding because, again, it reduces risk. Risk is such an important factor in the process. So those are the first two criteria. And then I think it gets to things like communication, uh, obviously their work, location, uh, budget alignment, and uh, it gets to factors uh, like their culture and then seeing if there's cultural alignment, if they share the same values, because that's usually what leads to chemistry. Mm. And I think that that's really what, uh, what some agencies get wrong is, is they're really good at the capability category experience side at the rational cell and they can come in and they can talk process and, you know, how they're going to tackle the project and, and make them feel good. But they, they have uh, more IQ and less EQ. They don't have the, the emotional quotient, the emotional intelligence to, you know, really come in and, and, you know, kind of read the situation and have a more of a conversation and build more of a relationship that uh, that starts to create trust and gives them an advantage in terms of chemistry 
because you know when you get to when we get to the final round, we recently did a, a search for a, a large global organization for a branding agency, and it went from uh, five options down to three options, and then they made their selection, and ultimately they made the selection based on capability and category experience and you know, a few other factors that really matter to them. But all in all, they were three great options, and the thing that really uh, uh, took the cake was just the chemistry that they felt with the partner and the sense of confidence that they felt with the partner. And uh, ironically, I think because that was the only agency of the three agencies that charged more than their budget that actually came in, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars higher than what they were wanting to spend. And I think that that communicated to them this level of confidence that uh, the agency had, and they were really uh, reassured by that. And then it, it felt good to pay the additional dollars and feel even safer and even more comfortable with this big decision that's going to affect the the organization for the next five years in terms of their their brand identity. Um, so it's it's interesting where you know, and that's that's happened a lot. You know, just from a, a pricing strategy perspective, where I've come into certain situations and advise the agency to increase the price in certain areas, you know, and they're working with the fortune 250 because uh, they're actually hurting their own credibility and, and losing confidence and trust in the, from the client because they're, they're underpricing they're they're undercharging and it can hurt you in that way. So I think, you know, it comes down to a lot of factors and there's a lot of nuances, but you know, I think a lot of agencies in the sales process could benefit from um, just really being in touch with the emotional side of the sale, not just the rational side of the sale. You've got to be you know, able to sell uh, you know, your, your offering from a rational perspective and know your positioning and that sort of thing. But you've got to be able to connect with the, uh, the prospect in a way that gets them excited about working with you and, uh, and gets them feeling like, oh, I think we are, we're on the same page. You know, he's, I mean, what's something that I do and that I, I used to do, especially my own, my own agency was when I was listening to somebody and listening to a, a prospect talk about what they were looking for, I would build on that and I would come back and kind of reiterate what they were saying, but in different words and build on top of it with a new idea and they just got this impression that wow he gets it he gets us he's passionate about it he's excited and that just you know transformed the kind of conversation that we had so I mean that's a great insight and I, I think there are a couple of things that I want to dig in a little bit on here and I think one of the important things that I don't want anyone to miss is the first thing that you said which was like it's hard for a full service agency to get taken seriously in a conversation that's about a specific problem that's being solved. I think it's important to just stop and acknowledge that for a second, because I'm a big proponent of specialization and niching in not only to category, but also into capabilities. And I believe that it helps, you know, get you more of the types of clients that you should be working with. It also operationally helps the business. But it sounds like in a marketplace setting where you're essentially being compared to sometimes hundreds of other agencies, I can really kind of help you get on the short list as well. So I want to stop and just like acknowledge that for a second as well. Like it's the first, it sounds like that's kind of the first rung or the first kind of filter that gets applied in that process. And then once you get deeper into the process, what kind of makes or breaks the sale is that last piece, the emotional connection. Does that sound right? Yeah, exactly. And then not to, you know, trump my own, my own platform, but you know, that, that was a, a reason why when we were building agency match, uh, the directory, you know, we started with, you know, when you browse agencies, you select the capabilities that you're looking for and you select the category experience that you're looking for. And then it populates the agencies that, 
match those initial requirements. And then you go into their profile and you look at, you know, how they're positioned and what their offering is. And, and you get a good synopsis on their culture, things that help, you know, you understand that there's going to be chemistry with them as a partner, but we didn't. Most, you know, directories are location based, you know, they right. you start with a location and then you look for a capability and then you get 500 or a thousand agencies you know, as a, as a search results and it's like the cheesecake factory menu, you've got to just sort through everything. And it's overwhelming for the marketer that's trying to shortcut their shortlist and, and cut to the chase. And, you know, I think as, as you know, uh, one of the reasons we also created our profiles the way that we did, they're limited to five capabilities, five categories so that agencies cannot oversaturate themselves across too many capabilities and categories because, you know, our value proposition is specialized uh, uh, agencies. It's not, you know, generalist. And we do have full service agencies that are part of the collective and a part of agency match. Um, but they've got, you know, their own unique positioning in terms of how they approach things. And we need to have, there are some brands that want a, a full service offering and things to be done under one roof. Um, so it's about finding the best full service offerings in those situations, but far, you know, far large, you know, 95% of the time, they would much rather go with a specialist because now again, it all comes back to risk. Specialization decreases the risk and, and makes it, you know, seem like a hole in one uh, fit. And so when you're competing, like you said, on marketplaces or in social media groups or directories, uh, you know, you, you're looking for that tuning fork to go off when somebody looks at your profile uh, they, and they see, wow, they, they specialize in you know, exactly what I'm looking for and have a track record in exactly what I'm looking for. It, uh, it's, it's a no brainer to, to reach out. If they specialize in everything, then there's a good chance there's, I'm not going to make that phone call. I'm not going to send that email or inquire with the agency because they just, you know, it's, it's hard to see that they're a fit. Yeah. Okay. I, I, this all makes a lot of sense. And it kind of takes me into my next question, which is kind of around how to best position your agency when you're going onto these marketplaces. There's, you know, a few of them out there that are really great. Um, I know some clients of ours, um, you know, do very well on marketplaces. And, uh, you know, you recently launched agency match this year, I believe. So congratulations on that. Uh, I think Thank that's you. pretty cool. And I'm excited to see that grow as well. So I think as a strategy, you know, I was going to ask you, do you believe that, um, you know, these directories are a legitimate way to get new business, but we both know that that's true. And so there's no point in asking that question, assuming that it is a very legitimate way to get new business. The next question is what's the difference between the agencies that list on those and believe that they're a waste of time because they don't get leads. And the people that I've spoken to that list on those and get a lot of new business leads fairly consistently, where are some of the keys to success in your mind to successfully position yourself in the directory to actually drive new leads? Yeah, for sure. So uh, it's interesting because when I had my, my digital agency, it was uh, between 2000 and 2010. And, uh, and I used a lot of directories uh, back in the day. And some of them are still around, like Design Rush, for example, is still around. But um, there was one called Marketing Tool that's owned by a friend of mine that turned into another, I forget what the new name is called. But I invested uh, several thousand dollars a month and, uh, and paid directory listings. Uh, across these directories and they were highly beneficial uh, back then really from an SEO perspective they, they made a, a big difference in terms of uh, you know search engine rankings beyond the, the opportunities that they were getting I was getting directly from the, the directories and uh, and so SEO was a huge factor that's not as much of a factor nowadays though it still is certainly just depending on the domain authority and then uh, 
uh, you know, how long the site's been there, what kind of uh, rankings they have. Clutch has good rankings, so, you know, definitely a listing is helpful from an SEO perspective. Uh, but in terms of leads, you know, that was my strategy back then was, you know, very uh, search optimization focused and directory focused, and I was getting consistently uh, over 100 leads per month, and, uh, you know, that was more than enough to be able to, you know, sort through the ones that were right for, for my agency, and then that's when I started selling leads and uh, for 100 bucks a pop plus commission, and then just taking that money and reinvesting it back in the directories and it just made sense it kind of snowballed from there nowadays you know there are uh there are new uh players in the in the marketplace as far as uh you know there's clutch there's also agency spotter there's agency finder there's upcity and top ranked and geek list and you know there's a, a bunch of them um and there's you know i think uh uh, most of the, the directories out there, Clutch, I think, is you know probably the most successful, the most well-known at this point, uh, though they haven't been around for a, a really long time. They have really, I think, differentiated by having the reviews component and uh, and having a way to facilitate those reviews and actually get them done so that they, they happen. Because, I mean, I'm learning that when I work with agencies through our vetting process. It's hard to, okay, now give me a reference. And just get, take care of all those things. So it's nice that Clutch offers that service to facilitate the reviews, and that's really how they differentiated is, is through their reviews uh, and you know having that aspect to the uh, to the profile. Uh, on the other hand, you know Clutch is more kind of yellow pages style than Agency Match, what we built, and then the other directories are more kind of yellow pages style in that there are tens of thousands of profiles, tens of thousands of listings, and there are sponsored ads and premium you know listings. And a lot of it is freemium or pay to play and, and, you know, pay to really get more significant leads. Uh, whereas agency match, you know, we're just charging a, a flat listing fee. There's no paid ads, no premium listings. Uh, everybody gets equal opportunity. And because we're limiting it to a thousand uh, agencies, they're going to see more opportunities than, you know, being diluted uh, amongst 25,000. You know, those searches are, are uh, easier to handle for the marketer. So there, there's some, you know, key differences there. But I think, uh, you know, really the best approach is, to, you know, I think utilize multiple directories, multiple avenues of new business. You know, I've heard uh, feedback as far as, you know, Clutch, for example, that's very positive. It's been a great source of new business to, we're not getting leads. I think the difference is the ones that are getting opportunities from Clutch have really, you know, done a good job focusing on the messaging and their profile, making sure that they have plenty of reviews and they're adding new reviews regularly. That really does bump you up. Uh, they're doing sponsored ads, which I think start at 150 bucks a month, you know, so they're investing in the platform. And when you, the minute you start spending money on sites like Clutch, the minute you start getting included in the top 100 list and the top 1000 list and these PR opportunities that ultimately benefit Clutch because of SEO and, and all of those links back to them. But it also does benefit you from a lead perspective. That said, you know, I, I spoke with an agency just yesterday and we were talking about the directory space. And he said, yeah, I've gotten great results from Clutch, you know, but honestly, I mean, 19 of the 20 that leads that I get are not qualified. You know, one out of the 20 is really a high quality opportunity. And so that's something that I've heard about uh, a lot of these directories is, you know, the quality isn't quite there. And I think that that's because there's a lot of startups and small businesses uh, you know, uh, essentially businesses without marketing departments, that kind of thing that use 
platforms more so than, you know, I'd say marketers at bigger organizations or those in, you know, have a CMO or those that have full-blown marketing departments because they're going to go to their Rolodex and their relationships and they're going to be maybe a little less apt to, to Google this kind of thing. They're going to be asking, you know, people that they know in their network what agencies are a good fit. So, um, so that's where, you know, I think we're trying to really change the game and appeal more towards the, the higher end marketer, the mid-sized to Fortune 1000 that is looking to, you know, shortcut their short list, but really, get, you know, get vetted in voucher agencies that are, you know, ready for them to pick up the phone and call versus running a search on Clutch and not having, you know, seeing, being able to see reviews, but having to sort through all of that, trying to sort through hundreds and hundreds of agencies to figure out like which are a good fit, which are a good match. Um, so that's our goal, just like in a, you know, from a collective perspective, when we're matching projects, you know, we're not going to bring 20 options to the table, we're going to bring five. And so the same thing with agency match applies. If they're doing a search that's, I want searches and optimization, social media marketing and, and creative uh, in financial services, I want them to get like nine matches that are agencies that align with those capabilities and categories uh, because that's so much more useful for the for the brand and the agency is going to get much higher quality opportunities and much more aligned opportunities uh, from agency match. They might get less than clutch, you know, and then I'm telling people that sign up with agency match, we're a startup, it's going to take time to really populate with profiles and, and you know, saturate the, the marketplace and, and build the buzz that we need to build. Um, but on the other hand, uh, once there is that traffic, you know, coming to the site, uh, it's not being spread thin across so many different agencies to where it just gets diluted. And it's going to typically be that marketer that is, is more savvy, that has a budget that has worked with an agency before, you know, those sorts of things. Cause I think that's, uh, that's, that's what, you know, agencies are scared of is, Oh, they may have joined a, a directory or, or a couple directories and either it's crickets or, uh, they, you know, they're getting low quality opportunities. And I think that, you know, they could, they need to change that by changing their profile and making sure they're doing everything possible to you know, rise above the clutter and above the madness and, uh, and maybe, you know, through sponsorships and paid listings. And then I think they need to find directories like agency match and others that are more exclusive and, and more targeted in terms of you know, their audience. So that was a, that was a, a long winded response. So sorry. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. With that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. (laughs) It sounds like um, from a listing perspective, like tactical, trying to cast a smaller net rather than a wider net is probably going to benefit you. Like you might not get as many leads, but the leads that you will get are likely to be of higher quality. And I mean, it it sounds like an agency match. There's a forcing function there in the way that you've architected agency listings. But um, for those that are listening that want to take to your point, a multi-directory approach, um, what I'm gathering from that response is that you're probably better off being really specific about the person that you want to work with and getting a few 
uh, like maybe some fewer leads, but chances are they'll be higher quality and you're likely to show up better in those searches that are for, you know, specific types of work that you know you can crush and do really, really well with. Exactly. And, and do searches related to how people would find you and see what directories are showing up and, and where you're going to get the most value in terms of, you know, being seen in the right places at the time of purchase. I think that that's a, that's a, you know, definitely a key factor. So I think we've gotten some, some good insight here. And it's funny, almost everyone that I talk to when it comes to agency positioning, whether it's in the context of a directory or if it's just, you know, outbound sales or whatever channel, specificity always seems to help. Um, and so there it is again, folks, specificity, we keep coming back to it, but obviously there is, uh, there's a reason for that, you know, and, and it helps make things clear, especially in a world where to your point, there's thousands and thousands of options for the end consumer. Well, the last question I want to ask you around this is you've obviously facilitated a lot of matches, with a lot of agencies and a lot of brands. What's the most surprising thing that you've learned from doing that over the last six years? Um, the thing that, you know, you didn't kind of really expect when you first got into it and that agencies, you know, probably don't understand about how a brand finds an agency. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, hmm, that's a good question. You know, I think, uh, in terms of my experience, you know, I'd say the, the biggest thing that I was surprised by is, uh, I mean, we've, we were had to kind of be in the business of educating, our brand clients that we, you know, even exist as an option. And, uh, you know, I was surprised by how many marketers don't really, you know, realize that there are connectors and matchmakers, uh, and that are different from the traditional agency search consultant model. Uh, and that, you know, when we engage with a, a brand and, and you know, run an agency search or find options or make a one-to-one -one match, you know, it's free and there's no obligation from the brand side. So they really have nothing to lose. There's no obligation to accept the proposal or anything like that. There's, uh, there's no cost, there's no contract. And, uh, it's interesting because you know, we worked with one fortune 250, uh, Fujitsu, uh, on, you know, several agency matches, three agency matches so far, uh, you know, across kind of different areas. And, you know, their feedback is just, I can't believe this exists like this concierge, you know, that just kind of takes the whole process over and uh, brings us vetted options that, uh, you know, really shortcut the whole process and streamline the whole thing to where, you know, we've done searches for them that have been completed in a three week time period from start to finish, which is pretty unheard of for a, a fortune 250 when you've got to yeah. jump through hoops and ladders. And so, you know, in the agencies, they appreciate that as well. But I'd say, you know, the other thing in addition to that would be, you know, again, just how much um, emotions uh, and chemistry uh, play a part in the in the you know, role of you know an agency and brand coming together and seeing eye to eye. I think that uh, it, it's just it's huge and it affects everything. You know, so a good example of that. You know, we did a match where there was a, a two hundred thousand dollar you know budget for the it was a mobile app build, and uh, and essentially the agency came back with a, a quote for like six hundred sixty thousand dollars. And, uh, so the brand is like, are you, you know, are you kidding me? Like they're you know, pissed off. Like we're, this isn't even, you know, in the same, uh, in the same ballpark. And, uh, and I was able to, you know, to talk with both parties and figure out a solution where we, you know, instead of doing Android and iOS, we just did iOS and we talked about, you know, the real true cost of what they were looking to build and that they had spent money before. And so it was like literally 30 hours on the phone over the course of, you know, a couple of weeks talking with the different parties and just massaging everything to the point where 
it, it surprised me. They actually uh, signed for $450,000. They increased their budget by 250 K. They didn't bring on another option to look at. They went with that original option. They kind of let their, you know, initial emotions, they, 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 they got that out of their system. And then, uh, you know, basically they were rocking and rolling and it turned into a seven figure account and they, there was an, they won an award for the app and you know, everything was great after that as far as the relationship. But it was just amazing to me how, you know, a budget could go from 200 K to 450 K. And like one of the biggest factors for that to happen was, you know, me being able to be a broker in that situation and, and really diffuse the emotions and talk through the, you know, the different pros and cons and the situational analysis in a way that, you know, the agency and the brand trusted because I wasn't the agency just trying to sell them and I'm you know, on the brand side, but I'm also sticking up for the agency and then sticking up for, okay, these are market prices for what we're talking about, that kind of thing. And so it's, um, it continually surprises me how, how much emotions play a factor. And, you know, even from a, a sales call perspective, you know, if we're doing a, if we're doing three intro calls for three different agencies, uh, for one brand that they're, you know, looking at a website redesign, for example, or a, a, a media campaign, whatever it is, um, you know, one of those intro calls just seems off and it's just kind of awkward and there's not like a good flow in terms of the conversation. Like it, that's usually not going to result in a follow-up call or moving to the proposal stage. It, it just kind of ends right there. And, um, and it's people making those kind of, you know, more of those snap judgments, snap decisions, and, uh, uh, you know, evaluating the chemistry more than, you know, just do we look good on paper? And I think a lot of agencies think, oh, if we look great on paper, we're going to be able to sell, you know, to the, to the wazoo. But on the other hand, if you can't really articulate that and have a, a conversation where you can build that level of chemistry, you know, you're going to, your hands are going to be tied behind your back when it comes to a lot of sales opportunities, because they're going to gravitate towards the people that make them feel confident and safe and, and give them the warm and fuzzies. Hmm. So let's dig into that a little bit. I'd love to know, you know, real quick, like what are the three or five like key things that agencies need to get right in the proposal process coming from this context of a directory? Because I think that's a bit of a different sales context than maybe a traditional RFP process or, you know, like just being reached out to by the agency on your website, um, or coming from a relationship, you know, these are all kind of different contexts that agencies might be more used to. But when you have a lead that's coming in from a directory, how is that context different? And what are some of the things that you need to do specifically in that proposal and sales process to make sure that you're accommodating for the reality that the brand is facing or the situation that they're in. Um, so I think it's important to understand that dynamic of they're probably talking to a lot of other agencies. This is probably the type of information they have about them. This is probably the types of calls they're having with them. So, you know, how do we as an agency that's in that process, make sure that we get to the end and, and win the deal? Yeah, I think it's, it's a balance because you want to, you want to get to the end and win the deal, but you obviously want to make sure that it's the right deal for you. And I think that right. that's the, the first and foremost thing to do is, is really qualify the, the opportunity. And, and usually that's through setting up an intro call and, uh, and having a, a Q and a session where you can you know give a little bit of backstory around your agency, but really learn about what it is they're looking for, their goals, their expectations, their budget. You know, if they, they shy away from telling you what their budget is or say they're pre-funding or stuff like that, those are all red flags to, to say, maybe they're not the, the ideal fit, but if everything checks out and you look at their website, if you look at their current marketing materials and, and things are adding up and, and, you know, they look legit, then I think that's kind of the, the first litmus test to, for them to pass. And I think from there, 
um, it's definitely, you know, uh, I, I think it's pretty similar to a, a proposal process if you were participating in an RFP. I mean, the, the challenge is that you're not going to necessarily have a project brief or uh, kind of the right, you know, instructional material to, to get started on, you know, really knowing what their scope of work is, that sort of thing. So you're going to be playing more of an educator role uh, sometimes where you're, you know, giving them advice on, okay, we need to really look at what the scope of work looks like, what your goals for this are, you know, what that, uh, uh, what that equates to. So there's ways of doing that as far as, you know, maybe it's an onboarding questionnaire or stuff like that to collect that information that you need based on whatever capability they're looking for uh, and, and get that that's, you know, scalable and repeatable and, and not hard every time you have a prospect with those those kinds of needs. So I think, you know, you've got to get those details. That's generally the challenge in the beginning with, uh, with kind of leads off the street is that you've got to uh, work through talking with them and getting that from them. And it can take, it can take weeks and, and months to, you know, get that information. I mean, I've been in follow-up cycles that have lasted six months before somebody finally has, you know, the, the project requirements or, or project scope uh, ready to, to be reviewed and take to the next level. So um, they'll still come eventually, but, uh, but that's, you know, going to happen probably more often than not. But if you do your job on the qualification side, you should be in good shape. Then it's really about asking the right questions, making sure you have the right information, um, and I think uh, in the beginning, if you have a, a capabilities deck or relevant work or case studies to share with them, uh, that's always good to do that, you know, from the onset. So they've got a good perspective on you know, your position and, and your perspective um, and, you know, uh, run pricing and, and you know, fees and stuff like that by them as well to make sure that, uh, that nothing, you know, jars them. What, what are you doing? Six figures? Uh, I thought we were talking $5,000. You know, you want to make sure that things are, are really aligning there. Um, and then I think, you know, if they're looking through a directory and looking at 20 different options, um, you know, oftentimes, uh, in, in my opinion, from a psychology perspective, it's like you, you kind of, uh, I don't know, on one hand, you feel like, okay, well, if we're really aggressive with our response and we oversell it and we over communicate and over deliver on our sales process, then we're going to win the deal. But in some cases that can actually backfire on you and make you look weak, make you look desperate, make you look uh, like you just want their money versus, you know, you think you're a fit. So I think maintaining that balance so that you're following up and you're, you know, maintaining contact with them and, and adding value to the discussions. Yeah. You know, I hear a lot of uh, brands say that, that they love it when marketers, you know, inject ideas and new ideas into the discussion and add value in that way because it gets them thinking like how they think and, and that can certainly have an impact. But you don't want to give away too much. You don't want to give away so much to the point where it devalues you or it, it diminishes uh, who you are because I think that that's how you can stand out against 20 competitors uh, on the directory. Uh, it's not going to be the cheapest one. It's going to be the one that, again, makes them feel the safest, makes them feel uh, like they're, you know, if they're a marketing director, like their job's not on the line if something goes wrong, you know. And, and those are real fears that uh, marketers face. A CMO bringing on a branding agency to rebrand the organization, that's a big risk. I mean, if that backfires, that CMO is going to be in a bad position. And he does not want to be in that position. And so he's going to go towards whatever agency makes him feel safe and comfortable, like he can sleep at night because they can do it in their sleep. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I had Blair Enns on the show last episode, and we talked about this, uh, this research that he's done um, about how, to your point, sometimes the most important thing you can do in that competitive process is to swim upstream and actually ask for a concession or try to take back some of the control in the process. And he, he said something like in his research that he had done, it was like, if you can get the client to make one exception for you that they're not making for other agencies, 
efficiencies in the sales process, whether that's moving a meeting or meeting at your office instead of theirs, or I don't know, having alkaline coffee available at the meeting, like whatever the concession is, your chances of winning the deal increase by something like eight times. Um, because it changes the dynamic in that relationship and it shifts the power. Um, and I think it's also important to your point um, because what we want to, of course, avoid doing in that sales process is making the dynamic such that the client controls the engagement after the sale is closed because that's a recipe for going way over budget, a ton of scope creep, and you know, ultimately not having a successful delivery for either party, which is not what anybody wants. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because like in my... The, the later 2000s, latter 2000s, uh, uh, 2007 through 2010, you know, my digital agency at the time was growing at least 100% year over year and we were just scaling up and the decimal point was moving. But one of the strategies that I employed was uh, I would get a lot of uh, phone call leads at the time uh, versus emails, so a lot of calls. And, uh, and nowadays I don't even pick up the phone. So it's funny how things would change, but I get all these, uh, these leads and, and literally my, my first response would be, I'm sorry, you know, I appreciate you reaching out, but we are booked. We're, we're jammed for at least six months. If you want to get on our waiting list or have a discussion on, you know, what's possible. If there's some way we send you to somebody else that can help. It's, uh, work, but it actually, uh, it was, it worked like a charm. I would have agency or I would have brands that, uh, you know, were super anxious to work with me because as human beings, we want what we can't have. And the fact that I was busy and booked meant that we were in demand and we were doing something right versus all the other agencies they were talking to. And saw how that, uh, how that worked and definitely agencies from a shaky perspective, have different approaches. I've seen the, the ones as recent branding search and the one that actually, uh, of the three agencies, the two agencies stuck to the budget and the one agency that was like, no, we're going to put it at this number, they actually won the, the project. And I think it's because it, it, it just uh, spoke to a higher level of confidence that the, the, the brand liked and needed and wanted. So. Cool. I mean, so there you have it, guys. Don't be, don't be afraid to take a concession to have some authority in that relationship. And sometimes that can create the, the tension, the desirability uh, in the relationship to close the sale. So when Bobby, you're, leaving, you're, you're leaving money on the table as well. I mean, we, we were doing an e-commerce project where it was $20,000, $30,000 underpriced. And I, I told the agency, like, raise by this much, by this much. And they were so scared to do that. Uh, and then they were a newer agency. But I was just like, no, like, you, you have no idea. And you're also setting yourself up for... Uh, for a better long-term relationship because you'll be able to charge more without shocking them because suddenly you got more expensive. And I think agencies, you know, feel like other agencies are beating them at cost. But and from a matchmaking perspective, I don't see that cost is usually the, the number one factor, at least when it comes to projects that matter for, for clients that you want to work with. Usually it doesn't come down to budget. Usually it comes down to, to chemistry and other factors. Hmm. Interesting. So with that, guys, um, we're going to wrap things up. So for those that are listening at home that want to learn more about you, Robbie, follow what you're doing um, and learn more about Agency Match, where can they find you on the World Wide Web? Where should I send them? Yeah, yeah, sure. So bullandbeard.com is like the mothership, uh, bullandbeard spelled out, uh, .com. If you scroll down, we have a, a section called Join Our Communities. And there's links to the Founder Salon, the CMO Rodeo, the Agency Stables. So if you're an agency owner, click the Agency Stable. That's how you can get involved there. 
And that's really a value add just to our agency relationships, but a really good community. And then Agency Match, the directory, you can go to agencymatch.co to check that out. If you like it, if you feel like it's a potential fit for your new business plans, then uh, the agency application is in the, the top menu. Just click that, fill it out, and we'll respond from there. Um, otherwise, I'm pretty reachable. Uh, email, social, everywhere. Just uh, <laughs> just uh, uh, reach out on any platform that works and uh, be happy to happy to help. Awesome. So I will leave those links in the show notes. So if you're listening, just scroll down and uh, check those out. Uh, and with that, Robbie, I just want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and your golden nuggets around new business proposals, directories, and all that fun stuff. It's a pleasure having you on the show today, man. Thanks, Marcel. Appreciate it. And it was a, a lot in a short amount of time, but um, really appreciate it and uh, appreciate your audience. Awesome. So, well, thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you in the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast, I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this and it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener, and we will see you on the next episode.